So this is like we have spent, this is our ninth week on Job. You guys all deserve a round of applause. All right. You made it through, and I think more than one it, it would, over the last few weeks. After about the third week, people would come, so you guys are doing Job again? And this is just like, yeah, we know, but we feel like for us, it was, it was meaningful to be able to study and unpack. So thank you for journeying with us and putting up with us as we mused over this very myopic book, right? Um, that kind of has a singular message. This morning, um, we're actually not gonna, we're gonna talk a bit about Job, but we're not gonna read anything from Job. We're not gonna spend a lot of time there. So, because I didn't want to put you through that again. Um, and my hope is that this morning, I'm, I'm gonna, my portion, I'm gonna try and make it a little bit shorter because we're gonna spend a bit more time in the question and response. And our hope is that these questions and response, they could be reflective of this morning, um, or they can completely ignore this morning. Um, and it can be about our, our whole journey through Job. Maybe there is uh, something that we said, Kevin or I said three weeks ago, that has stuck with you, that you're like, I, I really like that, or maybe I really hated that, or maybe I felt like you guys did a, mis, uh, a misinterpretation. We don't know, but we'd love, love to hear your feedback on that in that time. Um, so we're going to leave some space at the end for that. So if you're like, that was short, that's, that was on purpose, because um, we, we'd love your feedback. And we want to end in good time, because we do have a meeting after this, and then a potluck, so we want to be able to enjoy all of that and not feel rushed or pressured, right? So throughout our, our journey of Job, there's been, there's been a number of things that have really stuck with me. I've found that it's impacted the way I think and the way I kind of process um, uh, scripture and even the like, journey of faith. But the one thing that I think probably comes up almost every week when we're talking about Job is this idea of wrestling. Because we got this beautiful picture of Job uh, essentially kind of like word wrestling, arguing um, with what is largely until the very end an unseen and unknown entity, un unknown God, right? And we use this word wrestling, and I think we've referenced the story of Jacob, but we've never actually looked at it and read it. And the story, like, in our Christian tradition, we have this beautiful picture of one of the, uh, the Jewish patriarchs actually wrestling with God in the Old Testament. And so when we talk about wrestling with our faith, um, we talk about it kind of in a literal sense, um, in, in the sense of the sport, um, more than just uh, this ethereal idea. So I wanted to read that, that, that story uh, this morning and kind of unpack this idea of wrestling in our faith. So Genesis 32. And we're jumping in the middle of stuff. So if you want the backstory, Genesis 32, go read it. That'd be great. So Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two woman servants, and his 11 sons and crossed I always want to say Jacob, but it's Jabbok, river, river shallows. He took them 
and everything that belonged to him and helped them across the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled him until dawn broke. That is very unusual, right? This is one of those times in the Bible you're just like, was there any backstory to this? But it's very unusual, but it's actually maybe not uncommon for two men to meet and say like, let's wrestle. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, when the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in, in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. The sun rose and Jacob passed Peniel limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tenant attached to the thigh of of the muscle to this day because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. Now, this is an interesting story to read, but I think you have to... You have to picture it a bit, right? Because this isn't too, we read it like it's a conversation. But essentially what's happening here is Jacob has a stranger who we find out later is God in a headlock basically or an arm lock and is holding him there or holding this, this creature, this being, this God in that place and he's saying, I won't let go till you bless me. Right? This isn't this congenial conversation where they're just sitting down. This is in the meant like there's there's exertion, there's a there's a wrestle, right? And they're going this back and forth. And in this kind of this randomness of the story, because this Jacob is just on a journey when this happens, right? And this just kind of happens. It feels like it's a moment we could easily move past and kind of forget. But there's, there's a significant thing that happens in this. See, Jacob, up until this point, is known as Jacob, and he's the second born in a family. His older brother's name is Esau. And Jacob means either second born or the supplanter or the follower. It kind of means like all those things at once. And this is the, the coming patriarch. And in the wrestling with God, God says, that's no longer your identity. You're not the supplanter. You're not the one who comes second. Instead, you're the person who wrestles with me. And it's this name that is then given to the entire nation of Israel. So when we talk about the nation of Israel, we're actually talking about those who wrestle with God. Those are our forefathers in the faith. Those who wrestle with God, that's the, the, uh, our inheritance of a way. We are the people who wrestle with God. I don't know about you, but that's kind of, that changes things for me. Kind of gives me, like, you get this kind of chill. You're just like, that's daunting to think about. 
And I think sometimes we, we have this idea that when we talk about our faith and we talk about um, what it means to follow Jesus, we put a lot of emphasis on this word follow, and what we mean by that is blind obedience. We mean doing what we're told when we're told to do it. One of the things I say to my daughter when I drop her off at daycare, I asked her in front of her daycare lady, I say, I remind her, listen. And then I say, when do we listen? And she says, now. <laughs> I'm indoctrinating her in something I'm not sure I think is right. But that's what we do as parents sometimes. Um, but that's, that's what we've kind of boiled down things. We've said that to follow is to listen and to listen now. But Jacob was renamed because he chose to wrestle. And he was blessed because he chose to wrestle instead of just giving in. And I think when we reduce our faith to blind obedience, we're forgetting our namesake. We're forgetting where we come from. We're forgetting what we're called into. Wrestling is a good thing. It's encouraged in a way. God doesn't reprimand Jacob for wrestling with him. He blesses him and makes it his identity. God can handle our questions, our uncertainties, our, our doubts. You see this in the story of Job. When God finally shows up, he doesn't reprimand Job for having questions, for voicing his uncertainties, for saying essentially that God is unfit, unjust, maybe even unloving to allow this to happen to him. God shows up and basically says, thanks for wrestling. Thanks for working this through. God doesn't call out Job for this. He doesn't punish him, doesn't reprimand him. I think this, for me, as I've been struggling and working through Job, I'm inspired that there's room for questions, that there's room for disappointment, that there's room to wrestle. Jesus, on the night he was, he was arrested, prayed to the Father, Father, if, this, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my, my will, but your will must be done. Then a heavenly angel, angel appeared to him and strengthened him. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. Jesus wrestled. He struggled with what was. He wanted different options, a different path. He expressed his uncertainties with where God was taking him. And you know what I love? The angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he didn't bring peace. He didn't bring understanding. He didn't bring, like, that sense of awe or wonder. It says he strengthened him. To do what? To keep wrestling. Because after that moment, he prayed even more earnestly, more fervently. He got deeper into the weeds and to the questions that he had with God and where he was taking him. I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on us to kind of be okay with the way things are. When God is saying, let's wrestle. Let's work this through together. Let's follow Jesus into this moment where we 
fight so badly that our sweat becomes blood for those around us. I love that there's room to wrestle and I love that God shows up and gives us strength to keep doing it. And I hope that we could be a community who leaves room for each other to wrestle, to have questions, to have uncertainties and to have different opinions than each other and sometimes than maybe even God does. And that we, we can be, for, be there with each other even in these moments. So if that's not an intro to a time of questions, I don't know what is. So I wonder if anybody had thoughts or questions. Thanks. Uh, I feel like I've been wrestling with God my whole life and it's been quite a journey and I, uh, I just happened to start attending service here uh, right at the beginning of the series of Job and it, it was a journey for me to learn for the first time really in depth about the story of Job and, and I felt like my, um, my struggle in wrestling with God eased throughout the weeks and then last week Kevin talked about the last chapter at which he admittedly is not a fan of and I, I honestly I, I left service last week feeling completely disillusioned I thought well that just doesn't make sense and I, I had a rough week uh, volunteering downstairs yesterday really really helped and then listening to the sermon today I, I was thinking to myself well I wonder if that last chapter if, you know we should maybe look at it as a reminder that well guess what the wrestling match continues it's it's not done for you yet no matter how much you align with the story of Job right it's keep on wrestling here find the find the strength beyond your disillusionment for me to uh, to keep on wrestling um thank you very much for speaking on that very very strange passage that has perplexed me for years um, but as you were raising it today, it occurred to me it's an invitation to engage with God in a similar manner. Wrestling is a full-body sport. Uh, and up until then, Jacob had everything he had through mm, kind of dubious <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> for those who may not be aware, he gained his namesake by trading for a bowl of soup, and he got his father's blessing by dressing up as his brother. Um, but everything he got after wrestling with God was from God. Yeah. So I have a, I have a two-part question for you, Mark. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I might bring um, Kevin in on this. <laughs> well, so I had a, I had a mentor um, back in BC, and he, uh, we, had, we had been discussing Jacob's story at one point, and he sort of came up with this eminently quotable line that I'm going to butcher the paraphrase of, which is... Um, you find that people that have truly struggled with God often walk with a limp. And my two-part question is, first of all, is that or could it be construed as a good thing to walk with that kind of limp? And two, if it is a good thing, should we be trying to seek that kind of thing out? So, is it a good thing? Yeah, yes. Um, so... I think sometimes in the, in the, in the Christian things, we, we misinterpret it, tra 
trauma or bad things that have happened to us, and we say, well, that was obviously the will of God because something good came out of it, right? Um, and I struggle with that line of thinking. I tend to think that it wasn't the will of God, but God was infinitely creative in that moment and made something good out of it with us. And so, um, so that's where I'd be like, is it a good thing that people walk with a limp? Yeah, because they're still walking, because they're still there. That's still part of our baggage. I know for myself, like, I wouldn't be here in this moment, and I'm happy to be here in this moment without some of the things, bad things, or things that I thought were very bad at the moment in the past. So I'm happy, it's one of those kind of like, it's the both end, it's the dialect, the piece where it's like yes and no. Should we seek them out? Oh, if you have that much free time, um, that you're gonna seek out something awful to happen to you. I think we shouldn't be afraid of them. I think sometimes we, um, we like to, uh, Again, in particular in Christian circles, we, we tend to say we need to be in safe places. We need to surround ourselves. I don't know if you guys were taught this in your churches growing up, but it was just like you have to have only Christian friends uh, and all that kind of garbage. Um, sorry if anybody is in that headspace. But it, it's just, uh, I don't think we need to be afraid of it, but I don't think we need to seek it out in the places we would get a limp because it's going to happen. Um, and if you're seeking it out, you're kind of ready for it. It's like the difference between um, surviving in the wilderness in a plane crash where you're just like you have nothing and going on a canoe trip. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, and I love canoe tripping, so I'm not bad-mouthing it, but it's just like they're not comparable. Um, one, is, uh, one is an entirely different experience where you're fighting for your life. The other one is a planned adventure, if that's fair. So we're just going to keep moving down the line, Brent, and then... If we have time, we'll go to Tom. Sorry, Tom. Or do you have something, John? Or Andrew? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, even just to talk about what you were speaking about, Jeremy, too, I think it's good to walk with a limp. Like, as Christians, we shouldn't be known by how perfect we are with, like, oh, here we are, we're walking perfectly fine, there's no injuries, um, because it's, it's not real. It's not the truth of, of the life that we live. Life isn't about, like, you have all the answers and everything's perfect, and... That's just the way it is. It's no, you are literally wrestling your whole life. There's things day by day that you come across. It's like, oh, I'm not sure if I necessarily believe that or agree with that. Or it's just, it's a lifelong struggle with God. And I think it's good to walk with a limp because it shows that we're willing to struggle, that we're willing to suffer, that we are willing to discuss and wrestle with these things with God and not just be like, take it and be like, oh yeah, it's perfect. I'm going to follow that and I'm going to do that because I just, I don't think... That's the answer, but also just kind of what you were talking about too, Greg, like about how it is a lifelong wrestling match. I was coming across First Peter 2 this week, and it's weird because it says you have been saved, like, like talking about Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, or no, you are being saved, will be saved. And it's like, well, if, if Jesus died on the cross and that has brought salvation, how come it's, yes, we have been saved, we are currently being saved, and we will be saved. And it's just like how I've interpreted it, at least, and I was kind of discussing about this with, uh, with the guy who's kind of mentoring me, and it's just you are, you are, day by day you're being sanctified, you're being made more like in the image of God, and you are wrestling with God, but that day until you're truly with God and like you, the wrestling is stopped is not until we die. <laughs> 
And it isn't until if what we believe is true about the ide ideology of heaven is that like when we die and we are in the afterlife with God, that is when the wrestling stops. And that what we have been saved. And I don't know, that's just my thoughts. <laughs> with this story, the wrestling, and we've kind of touched on it now, walking with a limp. What's the significance of Jesus, or of, of God rather, taking a chunk out of uh, Jacob's thigh? Why did that happen? Oh, God wrestles cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, I think that's the, is that fair? I'm not a wrestler. Kevin's a wrestler. He should be answering the wrestling question. Um, I don't know if there's significance to it, but it's worth remembering. Um, and the Israelites did, right? The people, they never, and that's such an odd, when I read that, there's like, they never ate the tenon from the right, or the muscle from the right thigh because it was attached, or whatever, tenon. And you're just like, they weren't cannibals. They didn't eat that in other animals because it sounds like they're talking about humans there. Um, <laughs> which is kind of strange, but it was just like, it's worth remembering that um, I, I think that sometimes things feel a bit unfair and that God is in control because I think that was a bit of an unfair move of God in a wrestling match, right? Um, I don't think God is unfair, but um, I think sometimes it feels like he fights unfair, if that's fair to say. It's a lot of fairness, dear Lord, sorry. And then we'll go back to Tom, and then that we'll call that quits. I'm very sorry, but we got to call yeah, it somewhere. I'll try to keep it short because we got yeah. a long spiritual conga line going on in this row. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I've, I've really enjoyed this series because it's been a reminder of a key lesson. And that, I think that key lesson was really described to me when I was actually listening to the radio earlier this past week. And it was on a psychological study about how people can really feel a perceived sense of youth. And um, it wasn't expensive skin creams. It wasn't a Lamborghini in your garage. It wasn't any of these like stereotypical markers of wealth and success. It was a perceived sense of control. That was the number one correlation they found in that study because they found that a perceived sense of control allows you to have better mental health outcomes, a better sense of well-being, and pursue a better sense of physical well-being as well. And, and I think that that sense of control is an important reminder to consider as Christians because while the secular world believes that control comes from within yourself, we as Christians have a reminder that control comes from God. And I think Job is the biggest reminder of that because the answer that God gave Job was, was not what he was looking for. It was simply all of the responsibilities that God has to deal with and how Job was provided for in the very end. So. I think that this sermon series is just a real reminder about how we can find contentment in the midst of suffering and good experiences because God is in control. And, and I, I, I guess a question I have for all of us to maybe consider is how, how can we experience contentment in our lives knowing God is in control? What are we going through in this room right now where we can say, God, you, you are looking after this? So going on the comment of um, the scars, and I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but do we seek it out? Do we, um, is it a good thing? Do we seek it out? Um, from my personal experience, I, when I went through undergrad and through my master's program, I knew seven people who took their life. And I would not say that is something I seeked out. No. And I would not say that you should seek that out. 
But since then, every single semester, I've dealt with two or three students who come to me and say, my friend just took their life. And I, can, I know how to have that conversation. And I get to have that conversation, and I get to be there, and I've had faith conversations with people who've never had faith conversations because of that. Do I wish anybody else to go through that and have that conversation? No, but I'm able to have that conversation because that's my scar. I've dealt with that. I also have conversations with people who broke up with somebody. I've never been through a breakup. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what to have in that conversation. People come to me with, I just had a car crash. I don't know what to do in that conversation. I have no empathy or sympathy in those situations. <laughs> I, just got I will car admit crash. it. I just kind of like, I'm sorry, this go through the normal, like I'm sorry, this is terrible. But I get to have my conversations because of my scars. And others get to have their conversations because of their scars. So in those times of wrestling, understanding that in the end we may have moments to share with others because of those times is how I, um, I like to look at Job's path. Is it's, he didn't enjoy the moment, but he recognized that that moment had power later on. Yeah. I pictured Job... Job was inflicted with quite the, the, the skin diseases, right? So he had boils and itching. And I think uh, he was probably a well-scarred individual when he returned at the end, and he lived with those. So may the Lord bless you and watch over you. May the Lord, may the Lord smile on you and be kind to you. May the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Just ask that you go in the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you stay for our meeting and our meal together. Pray these things in Jesus' name.